Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who have been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hi yo, this is Helen and this is Jessie. And you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. Guess what, everyone? What? <laughs> what? What? Oh, well, I wouldn't say unbelievable news. I think I was, uh, look, you know, kind of expecting it. Jesse has won this year's 2021 Australian Book Industry Award Awards. for the best literature fiction. Literary award. I know. Yeah, Apparently, people amazing. think my... Yeah. I think my apparently people think my book is um literary, whatever that means. I don't even know what literary means. It's what does fiction. that mean? Well, yeah. I guess it's like there's a lot of technical writing structure, you mm. know. Mm. Considering you know you're you've attended a lot of writing conference and also been mentored and travel overseas to it, getting some sort of training for it. So there's a particular literary structure. Isn't it? I don't know. Your one stood out, I guess. You know, your creativity and the way that you write your work has stood out. And you beat Trey Dalton. Yay! That's the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Yeah, I noticed that I'm the only non-white person on that category, which was, like, so flattering. Uh And, um, And to be honest, like... I like yes, it's 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 only like quite flattering to beat Trent Dalton only because of the monumental kind of cultural shift in our collective Australia's collective admiration for this one mm-hmm. straight white guy in his forties or thirties. <laughs> I don't know, but like it's just and it's a it's an admiration which um I like I have nothing against Trent Dalton. I just I don't see his writing as something that I particularly that it speaks to me. But but uh-huh. so like I didn't really like care about that. What I mostly cared about was flattered about was the fact that um that Kate Grenville was on the list. Like Kate Grenville was someone who I fiercely admired when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I've stopped reading her um you know since coming into my own space and knowing that I there are people is that mine? Is that my Slack channel that just went off? Okay, yeah. I better. Okay, sorry. Muted. Okay, I'm gonna quit my Slack. Yeah. Um. And um. So like, it it was quite so strange. You know how you hear people in the Oscars say, "Oh, I grew up watching um movies by Al Pacino, and then now I'm starring in a film with Al Pacino." Yeah, it felt a little like that. It felt a little mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, I yeah. grew up reading Kate Grenville's books." Uh-huh. And then you're like, in the same, you know. Yeah, and now I'm in the same. With her. I know. You're the same standard as her. And then oh I beat God. her. That's just so weird. Yeah. That is so weird. Like I still can't believe it. You're yeah. still sinking it in. Yeah. yeah, but the RB Awards, Helen and her family were so fucking nice, and they tuned in <laughs> on Thursday night to the live stream event. Um, so uh-huh. there was actually an in-person event at Carriage Books mm-hmm. where they had yep. an actual red carpet. Um, nice. It was yeah. It was like the most kind of 
commercially kind of mainstream awards event I've never ever mm-hmm. been to. It, it looked like the Golden Globes a little bit or like the Arias, I Aria, guess. Aria, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like and, Aria for the book industry. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and like I was counting the number of non-white people that were there. Um, oh, yeah. And I counted five. Um, that's not including the wait staff, the waiters, the caterers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So what did you observe about the wait staff then? Oh, there were people of colour. Mostly, yeah. um, that just shows. Yeah, but I know. saw zero black people. I saw zero brown people. The only oh, people no. of color I saw were Asians, like myself. Oh, Everyone no. else was white. And oh, um, no. this is not a criticism. This is an observation for anyone who's like <laughs> thinking I'm attacking white people. Um, but um, my partner Andrew was there, and he noticed that most of the people there that night were women as well, which is like very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of nominations. I think the the number of women. That has been nominated has surpassed yes, the number of I male writers, isn't it? Yeah. That's a really good thing to know. Yeah, like because yeah, yeah, I was watching the live stream with my daughter Aya, mm-hmm. and you know how that when they have the live stream was that when they announce a category of a war, mm. they present the book and they have like sometimes they have a short speech yeah by the writer and yep. talking about the their work yeah you know, sometimes they talk about why they write this book or how it reflects on their life etc. And <laughs> my daughter just went that. Oh, it's a man. Oh, it's a woman. You know, you just seen the <laughs> the differences of her response. She's like, oh, it's a male writer. I don't want to listen to him. <laughs> Your daughter is so funny. Yeah. But she so did funny. notice that there's yeah. a lot of female writers as well. Mm. So she she was really happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, especially in the children's book categories. Yeah, a lot of them were female authors mm-hmm. or illustrators. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's and like know. and also the other award I was nominated for the SMH Young Authors mm-hmm. Award. Um all three of us are women and also last year all three of them were women as well. So like mm-hmm. it's it's nice that women are creating stories in this country, you know, and being yeah, acknowledged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm happy to know that. Yeah. Helen, you should write a book cuz I know Helen has a lot of fans out there. Sometimes, sometimes I, so. I talk to my friends and then people are like, oh my God, I love Helen. I love Helen. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what about me? <laughs> so I think, Helen, there's a lot of love for you. Um, People would definitely read something you've written. Have you ever thought about writing I don't a book? know what to write. I, I do have a lot of stories. I mean, I've mm. experienced a lot like back in Taiwan and growing up in Australia as well. But I haven't really have something in mind tangibly. Mm. to produce yeah mm, mm. that could be something down the track next 10 years i think so definitely <laughs> yeah definitely don't cut that mm-hmm. don't don't um brush that aside i'd say mm-hmm. okay so speaking of awards uh should we talk about the oscar this year so it's basically pretty much uh, an award week isn't it yeah, yeah yeah it's award seasons at the moment i don't even know what that means when people say that it's award seasons i don't know who decided that february from february to april was like the time americans. to give out awards <laughs> americans yeah. decided that right so um helen did you tune in on Monday, it was Monday morning uh, our time. Yeah, it was Monday morning, so I was quite busy on Monday morning. So I didn't tune in, but I kind of followed up of what everyone's like posting on social media. Mm-hmm. Hours after they announced the winners, uh, the first one I saw was obviously Chloe Zhao, and everyone's talking about oh she's the first Asian woman who won the category of best director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I saw the clip of her speech, mm-hmm. and then I saw the clip of the best support actress, okay. um, the Korean lady Yoo Yeon Jin, who's the grandmother. Mina- yeah, the grandmother in from Minari. Minari. Yeah. So, do you want to let us know? Yeah. So, um, if you haven't seen it, uh, Chloe Zhao made the speech about how um, when she was a young girl, there was a um, a sort of line from a poem that her dad mm-hmm. and her used to recite. Hell, um, hell, have you heard yep. of that? Can you say yeah. it now? It's basically all, every kids in Taiwan. I think when we were growing up, everyone would know. It's oh, like really? Jin, the three characters classic. What she, that's what she mentioned. Three yeah. classic. Three character classic. So it's basically the poem goes. It's kind of like a haiku, but it's always in three characters. Every mm. sec, every section. Mm. So she mentioned the very first one, and I think I don't know if if it's the probably the only sentence you remember because I don't remember anything after the first sentence. So it went like this: 人之初，性本善 So the very beginning of uh, human, before、mm. when we were born, we have the basic kindness.、Mm. As in, everyone born with kindness. Yeah, it's implying that you know we we are not corrupted at birth. We、yeah. only corrupt. We are corrupted once that we arrive this world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really nice of her、yeah. mentioning the the classic poem that. I presume that most Chinese would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just love the fact that she like. I afterwards I looked at the、uh, dresses of the best、mm-hmm. dress of the Oscars of the women because I wanted ideas about what to dress myself on、mm-hmm. Wednesday night and. Um, you know how they have a picture of say Zendaya, and then they will be like, she wore Gucci, she wore Giorgio Armani, she wore um yeah, Alexander Wang, brand. yeah. And um、mm. when it when when it got to Chloe Zhao, it just said Chloe Zhao um wore her own dress and her sneakers. You know, it's like oh, just, oh she was、yeah. wearing sneakers. Yeah,、oh、she wore God, white、amazing. sneakers. Yeah,、Love、she's、it. her, and she was without makeup. You know, she's just yeah, she so yeah. She didn't have makeup, and、yep. she, she had two pigtails.、So, yeah, it wasn't down to earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just so like she didn't care for the whole、uh, performance and the、um, sort of veneer of glamour that mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that can come across as super superficial when it、yeah. when it was in Hollywood. She's like so fucking down to earth, and I kind of wanted to be like, oh, I should just rock up. To my awards event, you know, in like pajamas or something, to make a statement. But I'm not as brave as Chloe Zhao. So what did you end up wearing? Do you want to、oh, tell everyone? Yeah, I wore this like um strapless um sequenced blue gown、mm-hmm. that my sister gave me, Lisa, who was so kind.、Mm-hmm. So shout out to Lisa. Um, the night before, literally the night before, she was like, "Do you want to just come?" Because like I was reluctant to go because she lives like an hour away, and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't want to drive an hour away." Anyway, I took the train. It took me like two hours to get there. But I'm glad、oh、I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad I made the effort because everyone on Wednesday night was saying how lovely I looked, which is nice because I'm not、mm-hmm. used to those comments. But、um, afterwards, I looked at my pictures and I was like, "Fuck, my boobs look like they're pouring out." <laughs> yeah, they, they all, they I think、like、I overdid、them. it. I really think I overdid it. And like, you know, this is I guess I'm. It's the first time where I publicly expose myself that way because I have like <laughs> publicly、yeah, because I've never had I do, I really don't、yeah. have big breasts I have like tiny breasts so like I really just like ram them up with these like、mm-hmm. stick on bra yeah <laughs> stick on bra things you know <laughs> but no it was fun yeah yeah so you you mean you mean June the Minari grandma was she I think she's seventy three. She、According、was amazing at her speech. Yeah, yeah. What did she, she say? She was so nice. She was so humble and so sweet. She's like thanking everyone else, and she's saying that 
at her age, she never really considered that she would get the attention. And she said that she'd be uh, glam clothes, you know. I think her response was a bit like you mm. just a moment ago when you're talking about how uh, she was saying that, you know, she can't believe that she'd be glam clothes because, yeah. you know, she, she's up there. She's like the top of the top yeah. glam clothes. And she actually was, you know, won the award. And she was so humble about it. She also talked about that all the, nominate, all, all the nominees were winners in the sense that they all did very well. Yeah. She was just lucky. <laughs> That's what she said. Did she say yeah. that? She yeah. said lucky. She, yeah, she said she was just lucky. And she's so sweet. Yeah. And at the end, she said, <laughs> I'm going to tear up because she said that she w- she's really happy of the opportunity that she had, she was given mm. by her first works director because she didn't think that um, as a mother of two, she had opportunities to... Mm to be working in the film industry and she mm. thanked her kids for um, knowing that their mom is out working. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. really nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Hell, just because you're a mother of two doesn't mean that you stop existing in the world. Of course, yeah, of yeah. course. Like, yeah. Helen Toon might one day win the Oscars. <laughs> for what? <laughs> Screenwriting. Screenwriter, yeah. Yeah, exactly, you never know. Yeah, also the Oscars <laughs> is not everything. You know, winning an Oscar doesn't mean jack shit. That's true. Sometimes yeah. I think, yeah. And also apparently, according to some study that I read last year while I was researching a piece for Women's Agenda, there mm-hmm. is a direct correlation between the um, rate of divorce for women who obtained Oscars um, oh. after they win a divorce and uh-huh. like the number of Oscars they win and the likelihood of them getting divorced. Get divorced. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I think it's very similar to how in a couple that if the wife have more economic achievement compared yeah. to the husband, isn't it? I think there was a yeah. study as well saying that if the woman is out-earning her partner, male partner, mm. cis-male mm. partner, mm. the higher of likelihood that they will be separated or divorced. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. It's fucked up. Yeah. So fucked up. Mm. Should we talk about the um, Stop Asian Hate video that yes. we went last Saturday? So Helen um, was so kind and she took the train down to see me speak at the vigil, which was um, hosted by this extraordinary, extraordinary woman called Shona Yang. Um, she founded this community called Cosicom which brings together um, Asian people of Asian heritage in mm-hmm. arts, politics, um, activacy, you know, across different streams to come together and really create a safe space for us to talk about what it means to be Asian and mm-hmm. what it means to fight white supremacy. Yeah, Helen, how did you really find good. it in the audience? It was a safe space, to be honest. I think I, I see a lot of Asian faces and what really surprised me was that there was a lot of white people as well. Okay. I even thought that your partner would say that, oh, no, I don't feel like, but I, like, I, don't, know, I don't know, like this kind of events, I feel like, oh, if there's like 10% of white people, I feel like, oh, thank you for your support, you know? Right, okay. But um, uh-huh. it was really nice, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. shout out, really a big shout out to Shona that took time and energy to organize such I know. big events. It was such yeah. a big event, I think. It well, maybe great, not yeah. as big as uh, like the March for Justice, but yeah. it was a decent size of a yeah. you know turnout yeah yeah I spoke to my um friend James who works for Solidarity he goes to protests every week and he was mm-hmm. there in the beginning and he said it's a pretty decent turnout for the first event ever of that mm-hmm. sort you know yeah yeah mm. so Shona from uh, Cosicon she 
gathered and invited speakers for the events. So that include uh, Jesse. Who else we have? We had Harry, Harry Jew, Jew, the um, uh, comedian, the comedian uh, Leon Huang. Zhan. Kali Huang, the yeah. slam poet. Yeah. Uh, Leon Zhan, he's like, uh, is, he, is his background? He's a musician, isn't he? Like, is he's got a band in there. Uh, no, the very no, last John one, o- who, who's got oh. like who's like a product designer M- for Tinder. Yeah, yeah MSG. And, and yeah. he has his own co-op called MSG, and he talked about like how um, Asian men are desexualized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought all the speakers were great. The Jono Park was a rapper. He was all really awesome. Jenny Jenny mm-hmm. Leung, who's the MP for Newtown, was um, the first speaker, and she spoke with so much passion and anger that I like um, was bawling my eyes out. I'm so glad mm-hmm. you and Andrew were standing away from me <laughs> during that time because I seriously was just like fucking holding it in so bad, and like Jenny kept looking at me and then later I said do you know I was like Uh fucking bawling my eyes out while you were crying and she said yeah I saw you and I tried not to (laughs) cry because you were crying oh my goodness yeah um but that was also really nice to meet her um she's really nice she's such Mm. a lovely person but yeah yeah, I like was so fucking nervous because I've never spoken at a rally and I didn't know what it would be like you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah we also had uh Brenda I forgot her surname sorry Brenda from Woman of Mm. Colors there's another community that uh, Brenda set up to support women of colour in Australia. Mm. Mm-hmm. So she read out the stories and the backgrounds of the people who Lost were murdered at yeah, the Atlanta. Atlanta shooting. Yeah, that was the part that I was like bawling my really? eyes out. Really? Really? Yeah, Why? Because like every time I hear stories about people who passed away, yeah. it just, I don't know if there's a connection or something, but I just feel like there's the sense of anger and sense of fear as well all intertwined together, specifically for like events like this, because mm. there's an injustice there, but what can we do about it? I mean, mm. we, we have this kind of event, which is good. It's a good initiative. But you always, like, there's a sense of sadness mm. that is, you know, surfacing yeah. within, yeah. you know, yeah. the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. I get you completely. And there was a, um, when Harry, Harry was speaking, there was an accidental, like, hackling by the bypasser. That was, like, a yeah. panic moment for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I, was it a panic moment for yeah, you? Yeah, so um, during Harry Jung was talking about this experience of being, um, like, he was in Wollongong, so he's a Wollongong boy through and through. And like he said, when he was 15, he was waiting outside his shift, um, waiting outside KFC after his shift. It was like 11 p.m. And these these three guys, white guys, were um, driving by driving by in a car. And then they rolled the window down and chucked a bottle, um, like an empty bottle um, towards him. And he was like really reflexive. So he like swerved so that it dodged him. And he was expecting it to kind of just like, he was expecting it to be a plastic. But then what was shocking to him was that um, the bottle actually smashed against the brick um, mm-hmm. and he realised it was glass and that really shocked him and frightened him because he realised if he wasn't so fast, that bottle would have hit his face and he could have had like permanent eye damage or, mm-hmm. you know, scarring or whatever. And during that story, there was a guy who screamed out something like away from the crowd and then mm-hmm. I I had my whole body just froze because, yeah, I thought it was just like a white supremacist guy interjecting. But it ended yeah. up being a passing inter- indigenous guy saying something like, we face that every day. Yeah, they or have something. same experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Not the same, yeah. the, not the not the heckling, but the, you know, what Harry had gone through. Yeah. Really. 
And I, I love how Harry just kind of turned around the atmosphere. He goes, oh, yeah, thank you. And then he says, do you want to follow my Instagram? Yeah, yeah, follow me on Instagram. He's very good at like juggling trauma with comedy, which I think Mm -hmm. is what the best comedians do, like Hannah Gatsby. Hannah Gatsby, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like there's such a – I'm always thinking about that because like I don't want to offend anyone, but I also want to be funny. Like Mm -hmm. when can you be funny? When can you not be funny? Like these are questions that comedians grapple with every day and they're so good at it. Like there's a reason why they try. Why there's a reason why comedy that medium speaks to them. Yeah, you know, because their pain is so intolerable. Sometimes our pains are so unspeakable that we have to approach them indirectly. Mm-hmm. And and comedy seems like a way to like diffuse all the tension and the pain of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes people think about it. You know, yeah, will, yeah. A lot of people go to see comedy, but they don't expect yeah that the content will be traumatic. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like what yeah. Hannah Gatsby did in her um. Nanette. Yeah. Yeah, so that was quite good, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about your cultural consumption of the week? Yeah, let's do that. Um, So I started a new book that I have been, like, dying to read. I think last week I talked about Black and Blue, right, with mm-hmm. um, yes, Ronnie Gorey. Yeah, so I finished mm-hmm. that. So this week I started a new book, and it's just, like, um, for my own pleasure. And whenever I get time, like, literally two days to read whatever I want before mm-hmm. I have to go on to the next review book or something, um, I, I tend to – I find myself being drawn to nonfiction books about women, I'm just like always voraciously mm-hmm. reading about women, especially women in New York in the tw- mm-hmm. between the 20s and the 60s for some reason. So um, this book was sent to me ages ago to review and um, I haven't had the chance to do it. So like that review opportunity passed. But so now I'm just going to re- um, read it for my own pleasure. It is um, mm-hmm. a book by Paulina Bren, who's a historian. And it's a book about... Um, the women who lived in the Barbizon Hotel. So the book is called The Barbizon, the New York hotel that set women free. And I don't know how much you've heard about it, Helen, but when this book came out in March, like there were so many articles written about it. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically about like um, creative women in the 20s, uh, 30s, 40s and 50s who went to New York and they weren't like attached to like a man. So they weren't married. Okay. Were single yeah. women. I and think I've I've heard about stories about yeah, this sh- from the yeah. other from the other book. What was that book that in, you introduced me reading? It's set in New York as well. Mm. Vivian was it? What's her? Was it Olivia Lang? No, her first name's Vivian. Yeah, Vivian Gornick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the yeah, odd yeah. woman and the city. Yeah, the city that's right. That's a book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does she talk about so it? I Vivian? think I think there was a section. That oh, she was having a that. conversation with a friend. Yeah. That they were re- they were talking about the writers in the early twenties. Yeah. yeah. In New York. Yeah. yeah, and perhaps some of them lived in the Barbizon. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. hotel was basically a space for like creative women, like mm-hmm. models, writers, artists who wanted to like make wow, some amazing. sort of impact, and uh-huh. um, but they weren't attached to a family, mm-hmm. or they weren't married, and so like yep. it it feels so like any story about. New York and women, I'm just like fucking lashing onto. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, my, my favorite, other favorite books are very similar. Um, Ninth Street Women by Mary Gabriel, which is about mm-hmm. the women during the abstract expressionist period. The other book that well, I really love is mm-hmm. Mary, uh, sorry, um, uh, what's her name? Michelle Sharp's book, um, Sharp. Sorry, Michelle Dean's mm-hmm. book, Sharp, which is about the critics during the um, 20th century in America who were like, um, you know, Joan Didion, um, Rebecca West, um, Sue Sontag. Yeah, all these women, they inspire me. 
And like, I just love reading about mm-hmm. the lives of women in New York in the 20th century because, like, I get the sense that a lot of what I'm going through in my head is like stuff they've been through. And so, like, mm-hmm. it, like reading about their lives and about what happened in the past makes me think, oh yeah, nothing, nothing is new. Nothing about what you and <laughs> I are going is through new. is new. You know, yeah. yeah. Like yesterday for the Women's Agenda Awards evening, I was at the door signing people in, and there was mm-hmm. this woman who was eighty-one, and she told me she she's like doing, um, she's an academic and she's studying yep. women in parliament. And I was like, oh, what do you think about oh, this nice. whole whole fiasco in the last few weeks, months? And she's like. It's, oh, she's, she rolled her eyes and she said, it just it's just a cycle. It comes back, it goes away, it comes back, nothing changes. Yeah. And I'm like, so what's the answer? And she said, just keep fighting. She just yeah, said, just I keep know. fighting. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, oh. we just have to keep fighting. Sometimes we just feel so tired. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a feeling of tiredness. Yeah. That just, yeah. You, you know that there might not be much improvement but you still want to do it and well you still have to do it you know mm, you mm. still fight for it yeah yeah exactly. yeah i kind of just want some better direction like is there a better way than better more like direct instruction then it just seems vague when you say i'll oh, just keep fighting i guess all yeah. of us have different ways to combat the unfortunately you know, you know the, the the direction is we have to work it out ourselves, you know, of course, again, that the mental burden comes back to the woman again, like having discussions yeah. with you every week and you have discussion with someone else, mm, some mm, other woman. Mm. It's through discussions and talk and conversations that we come up with new things, I guess. Mm, it's just a mm. continuously, continuous conversation. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's, that's a good way to leave it. Yeah. 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 How about you, Helen? What have you been um, reading or watching? Okay, so I'm still reading Breast and Eggs this week, so mm-hmm. it's a slow, rather slow progression for me. But I want to mention that I've uh, start watching a couple of new Japanese dramas this week. Every time I mention Japanese drama, it's really disappointing for me that they don't have enough uh, English subtitles. Like mm-hmm. Netflix should totally take up all these dramas into you know under their wings to have someone put subtitles in and the wider community or wider audiences around the world to watch it. The one that I'm currently watching now is Ichikai no Karasu. So in literal translation is Color of the Crow Detective Tin. So I don't know, I think I kind of briefly mentioned it last week. So I'll say it again that it's like a team of judges and magistrates mm-hmm. uh, in like a suburban area in, I assume it was Tokyo, I can't really remember the location. And they are a very strange team of local magistrate because they they go through criminal charges but uh, I didn't know this in Australia but it seems like in Japan they can the judges or the magistrates can hold their own detective method not the method as in they can call out that I want to investigate a certain case mm. but mm. by themselves so with a judge with, yeah a judge or a magistrate oh. but with their like they will actually go on to like a murder site or something mm. and mm. look for clues they might have uh, police support but they do it themselves mm. so wow. the drama is called Ichikai no Karasu the first two characters of this uh, drama name is called is the color of the crow. Like mm. I didn't know why they have the color of the crow until I, I start watching and realize that oh it's an indication of what the magistrate slash judge wear the cloak. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the yeah. cloak is like the crow. Black, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's black. Yeah, it's really good. I think Japanese, they do so well in creating this kind of drama. I don't really think it happens in real life, but、mm. they intertwine. Like, if you see like a specific case that they're holding at the courts, you think、mm. that, oh, it's a very straightforward assault case or a straightforward murder case or a straightforward abuse case.、Mm. But the judges think, oh, no, it's not. I think there might be a backstory about it. So they go、right. on and try to investigate, and、mm. you find some very heartwarming stories behind it. Mm, mm. Yeah. It's、yeah. nice. Yeah, what is yeah. it about the Japanese sensibility, Helen, that you find doesn't exist elsewhere? I think Japanese culture, I wouldn't say really Japanese culture, I think Japanese combine really well with the Oriental culture and the Western culture in the sense that they, within a drama, you can still see that sometimes they have, they show scenes and locations of a temple. So, there's like、uh, kind of the elements of ancient history, but then they move on to the location of big city, metropolitan, mm. Mm, and、mm. you have scenes with they, where they cook and they do it very detailedly, even though、mm. if the drama is not about cooking,、mm. like everything is done. In very detailed sense, and、mm. you just kind of like feel like you're surrounded. Like you're、mm. kind of immersed into it. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Because that's, that's a space that I'm not really familiar with. Like, I don't read as much Japanese literature as you or like, consume as much Japanese、mm. cinema. But、um, yeah, I'm not sure why. I think everything I consume is just from America. Just so bad.、Yeah. Hey. Because I'm basically white worshipping. Because <laughs> you mentioned、uh, last year you watched Tokyo Girls. I think、oh, that's a、I、good start、that. for、that、you. Was,、yeah. there's, there's so many other dramas that is quite similar to that. And、mm. the rise of women in the film and drama industry in Japan,、mm. it's very progressive, I think.、Mm-hmm. Not in the sense that there's no, like, no political issues, but I think there's more exposures for female centers story in Japan. A lot of Japanese drama now. Yeah. 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 yeah there's another one that I just told you. I texted、yeah. you yesterday. I, I was watching、uh, last night for my like therapeutical <laughs> yeah therapeutical purpose.、Uh, it was a drama about a woman and her three ex husbands. Like, how often do you hear about、yeah. the, a, a woman with her three ex husbands in yeah. Asian yeah. community? You know, yeah, who yeah, want to really、that. talk about it? Yeah. yeah, so、I、it was.、That. It's like a drama slash comedy, and it's done really, really well. Yeah, in her relation with the three husbands and the relationship between all the men. Yeah,、mm, brilliant. Well, I think、um, that we have given our listeners a lot of recommendations <laughs> for this week. Let's、uh, take a break, guys, and we'll come back soon with today's topic. Which Helen, what is it? We'll be talking about the Asians in Anzac. Yeah, interesting topic and very important as well because、yeah. so many of us Asians、um, are, are kind of like invisible.、Mm. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back. Hey guys, so we're back. Helen,、um, when we think about the Anzacs, like the other day when I was at Lisa Tu's place, our sister,、<laughs> um, her son Russell, who's like seven, I think, I was like, So, Russell, how was school? He's like, Great. And, I was, and he said that he had their, they had their Anzac service.、Mm-hmm. And I was like, So, what's the Anzac celebrating? Like, what does it mean? And then he said, People went to war. And then that's it. He just said, People went to war. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, who? He's like, Soldiers. And that's the extent of his knowledge about Anzacs. 
<laughs> yeah. So um, what what um, who was missing in the Anzac story? Do you think? Yeah, so like Jesse said, that last last Sunday was Anzac Day. So for the overseas listeners who are not Australian, so it's a day that Australians and New Zealanders mm-hmm. commemorate the soldiers that have fought in the wars. And so today I've gathered some historical data about Asian Australians' experience that they all represented Anzacs in the past wars. Like you said, Asians are not very visible in a lot of, uh, industries, uh, military, in any space, yeah, in any space, and military is the one of them as well. So let's start with the First World War, which began in 1914. Uh, many people, like many people from around Australia, has joined up. You know, the next four years, Australians volunteered the services in Australian Imperial Force (AIF) and as well as the Royal Australian Navy. A lot of people came from the range of culture backgrounds. So there were, according to the data, approximately 417,000 Australians enlisted to fight the Great War. And mm-hmm. according to Australian War Memorial, around 200 of them are actually Chinese Australians, many mm-hmm. of whom were the children of migrants from the gold rush in the late 1800s. And also they are usually the ones that intended to assimilate it that's why they want to enlist and kind of show their, present their identity as actual Australians and also, yeah. you know, uh, in order to show their patriotism as well. However, the racism was the main aspect to deter uh, Asian Australians to participate in ANZAC. There were a lot of rejections for a lot of uh, Asian Australians to be enlisted. For example, an obstacle for Chinese Australian to enlist in AIF was the Defence Act 1909, which did not allow those who were not substantially of European origin to enlist mm. for military service. Yeah, that's fucked this up. Was, yeah, <laughs> very fucked up. So, who but, makes that know, rule? Yeah. White people. Politicians and white people, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was despite that the fact almost all Chinese Australians volunteered had been born in Australia. So... Yeah. Yeah. They're more Australian than us yeah. because we were yeah. born overseas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there was a guy whose name is George Comon. He wrote actually a letter to explain that, why, asking, you know, the reasons of his rejection. So this letter was published in the newspaper. He said that, I'm just going to give you some quotes. He mm-hmm. said that, so having answered Prime Minister's appeal for recruits, I journeyed to Melbourne to offer my services to my country. I attended the recruiting depot at Melbourne Town Hall and was sent in with some others to the medical office officer who examined me for my um, physical fitness. Upon going before him, I was told to get dressed again. And when I asked if I had failed uh, to pass the medical uh, examination, the officer told me that he would not swear me in. When leaving the depot, I received a certificate with the indication of not substantially of European origin written on it and signed by that medical officer. With the exception of being asked where I came from, I was not asked one question before the medical officer. Now, for your own guidance, I might state that my father was a British sorry, my father was a British subject born at Penang and arrived in Australia eighteen fifty four. My mother was born in Tasmania in eighteen forty two and I, I myself was born in this state eighteen seventy seven. I have had six years of military service uh, military training. My brother is at the front serving his kin and country. 
and holds the rank of a sergeant, but evidently the authorities at the Melbourne Town Hall Depot seem to think that I'm not worthy of helping to defend the empire. Mm. So even though that this gentleman, George Coleman, he was born in Australia, yeah, they didn't want to enlist him. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously so, we we can't mm. even like really even say what about the women? You know, what if what if you mm. and I wanted to go mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. fight? Um, obviously, yeah, back then, yeah, yeah, women didn't have any rights. And when I was looking um, more into, so this is all the information from the Australian government's ANZAC portal. They have a lot of information about it, which is really good. Finally, someone's actually publishing this kind of history, da- historical data. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, so although many Chinese Australians were second or third generation Australian, to they were keen to fight for their country. They were not always viewed as ideal military recruits in the First World War. Recruitment posters at the time were targeting young, fit males of Anglo-Australian heritage. Mm. So, you know, of course there's a certain bias because they want whites and also they want someone whose physical appearance, yeah. like fucking Captain America... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. This is so fascinating. Yeah, go on. Even though the recruits were not asked to state their racial background, the decision to keep or reject that a man for the service was made by an officer at the recruitment depot, often according to the recruit's appearance or personal knowledge of his family. Uh, being rejected for service could make life difficult for ma- uh, many young men of Chinese heritage, as they might be branded cowards along with men who choose not to enlist. You know, because I guess when they when you want to be included in the military, and then you were told that you cannot join because your heritage. Yeah. Um. There's a social stigma, I guess, back in that time because. When you were asked, a lot of men were asked to be enlisted to participate in a war, and it's a, there's a hypo masculinity, isn't it? Yeah, Everything definitely. to when when there's a relativity to war and military. Yeah, yeah just you just have to look at the um you, the Marines, like the Marines in the states. Like Adam Driver is the epitome of what a Marine <laughs> looks like: like tall, buff, fit, aggressive looking. Mm. Yeah. So when more I look into it, there's actually an anti-Chinese Lee in the late 1800s. Um, this lead so-called um, uh, organization's key objective was to protect the interests of Anglo-Australians by stopping the immigrant immigrants of uh, Chinese laborers to Queensland, specifically coming to work on the gold fields. Um, there's actually like a conference as well for of oh, cool. anti-Chinese Lee. And it just amazes me <laughs> when I see this kind of information and I know that, oh, okay, so that's why Queensland, that's why Pauline is from Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this conference was firstly held in Queensland. Yeah, there's always a reason yeah. for things. Like, if you just go back to history, there's always <laughs> some sort of explanation. That's why history is so fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I wish I had like 10 lives. One of them would definitely be where I like study history and read all about what happened and tell mm-hmm. people yeah, about so it. Yeah, so important. Well, um, so now I'm going to mention a couple of people who have participated in ANZAC who mm-hmm. were actually enlisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one is Hunter Robert George Pond. He was born near Bel- Belina. Bel- Bellina. 
Bell and I, yeah, ne- uh, in New South Wales. Oh, cool. So back in 1894, his father was William Pond. He was migrated from China to work in a Queensland goldfield, and his mother was um, Elizabeth Key, had a Chinese ancestry. So after Hunter had completed his education in Toowoomba Grammar School, he tra- he was trained as a teacher and worked at the Children and Locker High School. He enlisted successfully, so one of the rare ones, to join mm-hmm. the AIF in 1916 and sailed to England in 1917. He's actually written an autobiography and he mm. had described uh, the suffering from seasickness um, when travelling to England. Mm. Once he arrived England in on the 12th of April and was quickly promoted to the rank of Lens Corporate. Oh. He was covering the position for of messing corporate due to his neat handwork, so his pensmanship kind of gave him some advantages. Uh, the catering job including logging reports and allowed more free time than other posts. In his leisure time, Hunter applied to leave and for leave to visit neighbouring towns. He requested to be removed from the role without knowledge of his superior and was posted on the 15th Battalion, which was in the Yer... Yups? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a specific name, I can't really pronounce it. In Belgian. Yeah, so in October 1917, only a fortnight after joining the battalion, Hunter was struck by a sharp knot in his right hand and lower back in fighting near the Yaps. Mm-hmm. The soldier beside him was killed. Hunter had a surgery at the 35th General Hospital in Colossus and was sent to England for a period of leave. So in 1918, he was embarked on HMAT border and returned home. He was discharged on the on August 1918. After his discharge, Hunter uh, returned to his teaching job and spent the next 28 years as a high school teacher in Toowoomba. For a time, he also managed managed a number of uh, sports stores. He was well known for his skill in his as an excellent cricketer. Mm. <laughs> it's so interesting. I never really imagined an Asian, an Asian playing play cricket. cricket. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we see a lot of Indians playing cricket and Sri Lankans, but yeah. like a Chinese. East, <laughs> yeah, East Asians just doesn't playing exist. Hey? Yeah. Um, so he's actually um, played uh, in cricket and he was a leading bowler and the right-handed batsman for the Toowoomba team. He continued to play cricket while, the, while on service overseas with AIF and it is possible he was one of the men referred to the 15th Battalion War Diaries entry for the 8th of October 1917, uh, 1917 which said that battalion sports program been steadily developed and the devotees of uh, various branches of sports are taking them apart in earnest. Mm. So there's a quote in Hunter's autobiography that I feel like it's still so relatable nowadays um so his autobiography is called two sides of a coin in the very first page he said that being of asian asiatic i think i, I assume that's a word for asian asiatic mm. breeding and living all my life in completely white community i can understand the treatment metal out to originals and no Europeans. While on the other hand, living completely as an Australian, I can see both sides of the coin. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's this is you bringing out all these stories, Helen. See, like I could see this happening in a book because mm-hmm. like I have never, like when I was all through my education throughout high school, primary school, university, I have never 
had anyone tell me that someone like me or someone of our my similar heritage had participated mm. in Australia's coming together and yeah. you know the military history of this country just like so much has has so has always been whitewashed so to hear you like mm-hmm. kind of go back and cull through you know all that information and and see yes i mean you know you're you you're not like someone who has you know um been in the historic history academics world for you know decades and yet still mm. just through your ingenuity and resourcefulness you were able to find these stories and bring them out you know I that's think it's so really important, important. Yeah. um yeah yeah like i had no idea everything you're saying is like i like i don't know much about chinese history um and you know that's i guess like shame on me but uh <laughs> but yeah like we've been here for so long it's just so few of us you know like yeah yeah it's, it's something so new for me it's, as well looking yeah, looking up this kind so of good. you know historical data yeah. yeah we're not aliens you know like no we, of course not, not like, like we've been like Australia, we've been here Asians for, been here for long yeah, yeah for a long time that's right just people yeah. the way in which culture is the story of culture is often just told in a way where it raises so many people mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. margins yeah um so the next person I'm going to mention is Samuel John Tong Wei um he went to school at Golden Point State and then the which is the newly established Ballarat Agricultural High School now is called Ballarat High School. Uh, he attended there during 1910 to 1911. Samuel is named on the school honor board as a soldier of First World War. At the school, older students were expected to train in military drill. This is where Samuel was first encountering of discrimination. He was actually taken aside and told, due to, due to his Chinese ancestry, he would not be partic- permitted to participate in the military drill. Mm. He is believed to have been the only student in the school to be excluded. While mm. enlisting, re- he was rejected uh, due to his non-European origin and also his hematome. I don't know what kind of condition he's at. So he went through a bit of humiliation because, you know, all the family and friends thought that he was going to be sent off. Mm-hmm. Um, then he returned home. However, in 1949, the Murbin branch of Australian Natives Association, after that he was enlisted and returned, he, they, he had been awarded as an honorary lifetime membership for into contribution in mm-hmm. establishing the first children's library in Victoria. This is wow. when he came back from the war. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Samuel's relatives, he rated his uh, Australian Native Association's membership as one of his biggest accomplishments. For him, he says that it symbolizes his acceptance as a member of Australian community. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? Like, wow. you have to do so much to even yeah. establish a library to feel like you've been accepted in the place that you actually born into. Yeah, that yeah. I don't understand how how messed up your mind must be if you grow up in surrounded by that kind of um attitude around you like how that must mm-hmm. make you feel about yourself and your place in the world it's yeah, yeah it's staggering but it's just so important that you're bringing all these stories out mm. i wish more people knew about this I know. That's why I said that, you know, we're going to have this the link onto the show notes. And uh, the last person I'll mention is that, um, so we're going to continue our commemoration of Asian Australians in Anzac. And I want to particularly mention Miss Chong Men, who was a decoder in World War II. I don't know how to, Q-U-A-N, how do you pronounce that? 
Q U A N. Quan. Yeah. Quan. Okay. I think. So Miss Quan Main. In 1945, at the age of just 18, she's got an Anglo name as well. It's called Kathleen. She was enlisted as a decoder in Australia's Air Force for what will be the final year of World War Two. Miss Kwan Main and her sister Doreen were among the first 21 Chinese Australian service women to join the war. We recorded that although her parents had been very proud and supportive of her and her sister joining the defending defence force, her father had never been allowed it to become Australian citizen. Wow. Her mother had Australian citizen, but was taken away when she was married to her father. Despite the suffering under Australia's discriminatory policies and racism, many Miss Kwame's family member have gone to serve in the military. She said that each of my sister had either had a son or husband in the defence force. She said our family was what you call a military family. That was quite unusual because Chinese girls usually did not leave home before getting married. So during World War Two, while her father was classified as a foreigner and enemy, she actually was enlisted and become a cipher in the W Triple F, where her sister had served as a clerk general in for more than three years. So I looked it up in the in like her history background.、Mm-hmm. So as a decoder, so they are the woman who actually translated the confidential messages from military codes. Into、oh. English using code books, and of course vice versa. On the home front, barriers and prejudices were breaking down between service women. Miss Kwanman actually bonded with other Australian girls serving at the Air Force in what she described as an extraordinary year.、Um, mm. After surrender of Imperial Japan, she and her sister devoted themselves to the United Nations Relief and Rehabilitation Administration. And doing the human, and、mm. they were doing the humanitarian work in China. So she didn't actually come back to Australia until nineteen seventy nine, which is like wow, what like thirty years after the war. Yeah, yeah.、Um, yeah. Good news was that she was、uh, appointed as an honorary secretary for W Triple F,、uh, the Western Australian brand, until the closure in twenty sixteen.、Mm. And she has one niece. Kaylin Pon, who is now a local history researcher in Perth,、wow. uh, who is trying to preserve the little-known, you know, stories about Chinese Australian war veterans, and her niece said that she's very extremely proud of her auntie. Yeah! Wow! Yeah. See, this is something that we never know. If yeah. Nobody tells us that. We don't look into、that. it. Yeah. Nobody, it's not in our history book in school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like, if if you were reading a book by A straight white male author. You wouldn't <laughs> during that time. You wouldn't have discovered these women. You know, it's、yeah. just all about where you put your attention.、Mm-hmm. There's only、yeah. come on, guys. We only have a limited number of hours in our lives. Just like think、yeah. about where you put your attention to. You know.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I literally am standing in front of my bookshelf. I every single book I see in front of me is written by a woman, and I still haven't gone through all their stories. A lot of stories that we want to, and with I think it's really important to read. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's the end of my. Wow, that's yeah, heavy subject. Heavy subject. I feel like Helen, you should like start compiling a list, a document on your Google Docs or something, and just like write down,、oh, yeah. write down like ideas for a book. 
Mm, because like be I honestly yeah. think yeah what are, all the things that you research are so like interesting and so useful for like potential novel book ideas seriously I'm not joking like you should think yeah about but it. I'm not really good as in I, I feel like the research for a book is so hard you have to go in depth and oh it's just sort of a lot of work I feel like I'm so lazy like yeah but you're breast, not yeah <laughs> in breast and eggs so the protagonist is, is like, uh, she's a writer. So she was in the book. She's preparing to write a novel about cults and mm. gangster in Japan, and she had to go through all the research and studies and the historical data. And just reading it, I feel like, oh, I'm tired already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know that's okay. Like, you know, you have the energy there, so I don't think you need yeah, to. Hopefully. Shy away from that, yeah. So, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Uh, I'm looking forward to Jesse's uh, appearances at the Sydney Writers Festival. Nah. So, <laughs> her ticket yeah, is so, that'll be sold exciting. out. Yeah, yeah, that'll be really exciting. Yeah. I'm appearing with two geniuses, Vivian and Kate. Um, so, I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. And Jason Steger, yeah. who is a very kind man. So, it should be fun. Should be fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we go, I have two things to mention before we close up for the episode. So firstly, Yvonne, uh, one of my friend's daughter who is involved uh, with the Women's Review at University of Sydney. Um, it's a production that's presenting like the yearly comedy sketch at Seymour Centre. So if you're in Sydney and loves comedy, please check out this production that is running from 5th of May to 8th of May. Uh, the show is written and performed by those who identify and who have lived experience as women. So it's going to be fun. So we will have the link on our show notes so you can check out and get some tickets if you're free on those Woo-hoo! days and you're in Sydney. And the lastly is that um, coming up to our one year, well, it's already our one year anniversary for Asian Bitches Down Under. Mm. Um, so we want to do something that's kind of like cliche, but it's fun as well. We want to have an engagement with our listeners. So um, we're asking our listeners to send us questions if they have any questions that they want to oh, ask. Oh, yeah, yeah, shoot. Um, shoot, this will be questions. fun. I don't know. What do you think? As in, should we have personal questions? Yeah, shoot, ask me anything. When I lost anything. my virginity, ask me anything. <laughs> I'm yeah. like an open book man. Yeah, that's that's going to be so fun, I think. Yeah, so send us a question you want to ask about ourselves as sisters, as women, as podcasters. Uh, as Asian qu- people. Yeah, as Asian people. Or if you're interested to be involved in the podcast industry, how we started, you know, mm. we'll have to share all the knowledges that we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah, okay, so that's it. Yeah. Anything else? Um, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and share with your friends on social media. You can find our updates on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Asian Bitches Down Under. Send us a DM or feedback um, or discussions you would like to us to have on our show. Yeah, so that's it. So we'll see you and chat to you next week. Yeah, can't wait to answer your questions, guys. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye.